Hallelujah. As I said, it's great to, to be with you this morning. And uh, I have been pondering some this week. And uh, we're going to jump into a new series here pretty quick. But uh, I'm, I'm, I just want to give you a, a brief testimony. Uh, God is faithful. And uh, this morning is our 29th anniversary of pastoring New Creation Church. And so we started pastoring the first uh, Sunday in March in 1992, which was actually the first day of March. It was March 1st in 1992. And uh, I arrived here in Glenwood Springs in July, uh, 10 years before that in 1982. Church was about a year old, and we began to work with Pastor Craig and Sharon McCune, uh, just when the church was a year old. We had such a tremendous uh, time, and we were blessed to work with them. Some of you, I mean, if I start getting into names, I'm going to get in, into trouble. But uh, I see Ed and Donna back there, a number of people who have been here the whole time. I know Dan and Karen Glenn are watching online. Uh, Alan wasn't able to be here. Bucky's uh, with his family. Uh, a number of people who were here uh, clear back when I got here, when the church was a year old. And it's just a testament to the faithfulness of God and your faithfulness to God. And many of you have been here almost as long as uh, I've been pastoring the church, and we're so thankful to you and for what God has done in your life, what God has done through you. When we started pastoring, we had about 67 people, and we were $22,000 in debt. We were meeting behind the mall. And uh, since then, thousands of people have been born again, and God blessed us with this property, and we're very close to all this property being paid for and more. Uh, the preschool has been paid for. This building has been paid for. The property of the east, we owe just a little over 800000 and we'll be done uh, having everything paid for and more. We've been able to establish churches uh, here in Meeker and uh, in Craig, Colorado that are connected with us, and I'm very excited in a couple weeks to talk to you about something that's going on in Steamboat Springs. If you've been with us for a long time, you know that Steamboat has been in our hearts, so I'm excited uh, about that, and we'll let you know about that coming up, and it's just awesome. God just continues to reach out. We have missionaries in all of the world uh, preaching the gospel that have gone. Some have gone and come back. Some are still overseas. Uh, Tony with Dunamis is, is reaching into the world with new technology uh, over this COVID, and you all have a part in that. The preschool has uh, been raised up and is reaching the community. We have ministries uh, in the jail, uh, and when it opens up, it's going to be much more active in the jail and nursing homes as things open up. We've had ministry in different places to the youth, to the children, uh, and we couldn't have done it without you all. It's been so, it's such a blessing to be here uh, with you, and, and we, you know, your faithfulness and God's faithfulness to us has just been amazing. And you know, when I was driving to work, when I was in Vail in the first 10 years before I started pastoring, I was meditating on the Word one day in Romans 8, uh, which really, you're not supposed to have a favorite scripture, but it has become my favorite scripture because of that time I meditated on it, where Paul said that, you know what, uh, neither death nor life, nor angels or principalities, nor things present or things to come, right? Famine, peril, nakedness, or sword, nothing could separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus my Lord. And I meditated on that forever and ever and ever, God says, my love for you and, and, and my spirit dwelling in you, the relationship you, you have with me, it's part of you. And, and during that time, he was, you know, he was just explaining to me, he was, he was like, you know, how much do you think that your arm is a part of you? I said, it's, it's, it's part of me, it's me. He said, but in reality, some, something, something could happen to separate you from your arm. And he went through a, 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 a whole scenario like that with me. He said, but nothing, nothing can separate you from my love for you. And I can tell you in the last 29 years, we've seen life, we've seen babies born, we've seen death, we've seen some of the closest people to us go home to heaven. We've seen sickness, we've seen disease, we've seen healing, and we've seen miracles. We've seen angels show up in a service to provide things. Certainly we know that demonic power has worked against some of those. We've seen all of that. But years later, God's still faithful, and nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God's always faithful. You know, when God gave us a vision, and there's certain aspects of that vision, and the Bible says when you write the vision, you make it plain, and people get on and run with it, it will come. And it will not tarry. There's an appointed time, and there's so many things in 29 years that God set out ahead of us, 
And we're beyond that because God's been faithful. We saw this building being built. We, we, you know, initially, we started looking for land, and we knew that God had land for us, and we got this land. And then we built this building. We set out to pay for, for this building and the initial land, and it was paid for because God was faithful as you prayed, and you were faithful, and it was paid for. And we knew we had the preschool in our heart, and so it took us quite a while. You know, We were wondering, man, is we, are we ever going to get that done? And now the preschool is built and paid for. God's faithful. God put it in our hearts to plant churches in western Colorado, and we're not done yet. God's faithful, and he's established, and the church in Craig has its own building uh, that they've they've purchased that they're going to get paid for and more. There's things just going on all over the world. God is faithful. Somebody say, God's faithful. faithful. And for everybody who's put their hand to it and been here that whole time, and for those of you that have come come in and been a part of it, You've seen God be faithful. You know that you've dealt with difficult situations, and you've seen good times, and you've seen difficult times, but God's been faithful through them all, and he will be faithful. And it's just a testimony. If you're just getting started with us, that God's faithful, and the things that he has planned for us in the future, he's well able to bring it to pass. And what he's done for us is nothing. Everything he's done for us is so that he can take us into the next place so that light can shine in the darkness. I was thinking about it while I was, uh, you know, throughout the week, I was looking at pictures and uh, just different things. By accident, I'd open my, I really, I needed to clean my desk drawer, and I opened my desk drawer. And so I came upon this, I, I text to, to uh, uh, Christy, not Jack and Christy, but I found a Christmas card, and uh, uh, the babies, the kids sitting right here, they were babies. And uh, I was like, this is cool. And so I started to think back, and She's not here today. I think she's on vacation, but I remember uh, Crystal Lowe. She usually sits over here on, on this, uh, uh, in this section. But uh, before I ever started pastoring in the first 10 years, I had a Bible study in uh, Apple Tree, uh, in, in a trailer home in Apple Tree, and Crystal Lowe was about this big, and she used to sit on my lap the whole time I taught that Bible study. And now she's administrating uh, with our children's ministry and our nursery. She's serving there. And Clint's here on the front row. Clint will never forget. I'll get beyond this. Just let me reminisce for a while because I just love to give a testimony of God's faithfulness. So this is probably more for me than it is for you. But uh, Clint used to come in when he was a youth and then a little after and help uh, with Terry and T in youth ministry. So I'd be in my offices before we moved our offices there. And, and I'd be in my office and Clint would come in early on Tuesday. And so we had a foosball table back there. And, uh, and so as soon as Clint would get there, it was my break time. I had to take a break, go back and play foosball. And poor Clint got beat by me a week after week after week. <laughs> and you have to understand what that means. Only he can understand what that means. He is a far better foosball player than I am. So I had to make a rule. Being competitive as I am, I had to make a new rule. If I even score a point, I win. It was just no fun for me to go back out there and get slaughtered week after week. So I had to figure out somehow to level the playing field. And so if I got lucky, sometimes, you know, you spin the ball and it would roll in by him and it would drop in just the first ball of the day. It was like I won the Super Bowl. Praise the Lord. It's all over. And here, uh, I mean, he's just a great young man and, and uh, got his own house and all, I mean, just growing up. It's just awesome. Babies that I dedicated, I'm dedicating their babies. And uh, to be here for that long has been an honor. It's been a privilege to serve you as pastor, and uh, God's faithful. And I just want to encourage you that he's been faithful all these years. He'll continue to be faithful because God's always faithful. Amen? Praise the Lord. Well, we want to start a new series uh, of messages. It's just going to be a short series uh, up until Easter, but I believe it's very important for us to understand and look at. We're going to talk about the Spirit-led life. And uh, don't shut me off right away if you've been here for a while and you think, okay, uh, I know about the Spirit-led life. But these things we need to remind ourselves over and over and over again. As we were praying at the end of 2020, uh, it just kept coming up over and over again that more than ever before, the church will need to know and be led by the Spirit of God. God wants us to be in the right place at the right time with the right anointing and the right equipment to do something powerful. He doesn't want us in the wrong place at the wrong time. 
And so often, if we're just led by our emotions or, or by our mind, if we're led by the desires of our flesh, we can jump the gun. We can be in the wrong place at the wrong time, yet with the right understanding and the right heart to do something right, but the timing is off. Sometimes the place where we're at is not quite right, but the Spirit of God wants to lead us and to guide us, and He really wants to bring us to a place of understanding that we are spirit beings, that the ebb and flow moves back and forth from time to time, depending on what the circumstances are in our life, that we fall away and we begin to allow our spirit man to not be fed, not to be built up, not to be edified. Though we're Christians, you could have been a Christian for many, many years. Some of you may be new. Some of you may have been Christians for years and years and years, yet you never really understood the difference between your spirit and your soul. And so you've allowed your soul to become dominant, which your soul, and we'll talk about this a little bit more, is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Some people are totally dominated by the way they think and what their emotions of the day are. They make decisions based on that, by their will, how I feel today, what's making me angry, what's making me happy, what's making me nervous, what's causing me to worry. I make all my decisions based on that because I'm dominated by my soulish thinking, the pressures of life. And God never intended that. God never intended it for us to be dominated by our emotions or our own ability to think. He created us to be dominated and, and governed by our spirit. He never designed for us to be led about by our flesh and the desires of our flesh. That all happened when man fell into sin. So we're going to take a couple of weeks. I'm just going to try to crack this open this morning to break this open for us just a little bit. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 20. I changed. I'm starting in a new place, so give me one scripture, and then you'll have the scriptures after that. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 27, if you know the New King James says, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, and it searches all the inward parts of the belly. And verse Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27 from the Passion Translation says this, the spirit of God, the spirit God breathed into man is like a living lamp. The spirit God breathed into man is like a living lamp, a shining light searching into the innermost chamber of our being. See, God, the very innermost part of our being is our spirit man. And God wants the Holy Spirit within our spirit to really search and to bring a light into that place and revelation into our inner man of the very things of God that we understand clearer than we ever have before who we are created to be. That we begin to understand, not just to say with that, but we begin to understand in our generation that truly we have been called to the kingdom for such a time as this. That there's something bearing witness in our spirit, in our innermost being, that this is a time and a season for us to be alive on the earth, that there is purpose for us to be alive on the earth. There's a divine destiny. There is something that God has for you to do that you can't figure out with your mind. And you can't be governed by the emotion of the day and the feelings of the day and get it done because the emotion and the feeling of the day will always try to topple you and throw you off. It'll try to get you at the highest high and then drop you to the lowest low. And when you're living at the highest high and immediately you're at the lowest low, it begins to affect your faith. But no matter whether the time looks high or the time looks low, the God on the inside and the Spirit of God is still working the exact same life on the inside of you. He's working the exact same purpose. He's working not just for today, but he's working something eternal. He's working an eternal purpose in this day for you and I and for the people around us. And though in our mind, and as we're soul dominant, and as our mind thinks about it, there are things that just need to be done today, and there are. But the decisions that we make about today create for us in a, a place in time of something of eternity. And time is something that we live in that realm. God lives in eternity, but the time and space realm that we live in, time is something that you cannot get back. So God wants us to be in the right place at the right time. There are windows of opportunity that are going to open up. And if you've missed some opportunity, they're missed. They're never coming back again. 
But there are new opportunities and there are new places that God wants to show us that we hit that window of time. We understand this is a very precious window of time. I've arrived to this place for this time. I am equipped and I've been prepared for this moment in time. I've been studying the word of God, praying. I've been fellowshipping and I know that I'm in the right place. I'm here at the right time. And there's somebody who needs something that I am equipped to serve them or to minister to them. This starts to spread all over this valley, and I'm telling you, lives will be changed as we're led by the Spirit of God, as we're ending up in the right place at the right time, not where we want to be, but where God wants us to be. Proverbs, the 18th chapter. Proverbs, the 18th chapter, the 14th verse. I'm going to start with the Amplified Bible here, it says, the strong spirit of a man sustains him in bodily pain or trouble, but a weak and broken spirit who can raise up or bear. It's really a time, church, I'm just telling you, times aren't going to necessarily in the world get better. If you're just waiting for everything to change, for a government official to make everything better for you, I don't think that's going to happen. I'm not trying to bring doom and gloom, but I don't think that's going to happen. But no matter what the trouble, what the time, what comes upon you, the strong spirit, everybody say strong spirit. Come on, the strong spirit of a man sustains him in bodily harm or in sickness and in trouble. God designed for that, that the real you, the real me being strengthened is the thing that sustains us, moves us through trouble, moves us through sickness, gets us to the other side. But he said, if you're weak in spirit, when trouble comes, who can bear up? See, your emotions can't bear up under that much trouble. Your mind gets confused and and, and the worry takes hold and, and confusion and wrong decisions are made. But when our spirit man is strong... It overtakes when our emotions try to go wonky on us and and stress and worry and anxiety. Our spirit man has that peace developing to draw that all back in. Not that worry won't come. Not that stress won't come your way. But when you rely upon the strength of your spirit man, it sustains you through the trouble to the other side. It helps you to know and reveal the word of God in that moment, to know the wisdom of God, what to apply at that time so your mind doesn't have to be confused and agitated and frustrated spirit man is very important and the leading of the holy spirit is equally important proverbs chapter 18 verse 14 the message bible says this a healthy a healthy a healthy yeah yeah (laughs) wow i don't know where that came from a healthy spirit Slow down. A healthy spirit conquers adversity. But what can you do when the spirit is crushed? Come on, I like that. The Apostle Paul said this, there's something on the inside of me that is so strong that when I'm hard-pressed on every side, I am not crushed. What was he talking about? He was talking about the strength of his spirit could not be crushed, but when we're not strong, we're not healthy spiritually, the enemy comes to crush us. The modern English version says this, the spirit of man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear. A wounded spirit who can bear. And so we're going to be talking about in the next couple of weeks, not just being led by the spirit, for we can't be led by the spirit if we're not strong in spirit. But together being led by the Spirit, feeding our spirit, developing our spirit, man, we not only become strong in spirit, but when you're strong and mature in spirit, then the Spirit of God is able to do things with our life that we never dreamed possible. That understanding of going beyond what we ever asked, hoped, dreamed, or thought comes from understanding and knowing the power that is at work in us because God loves us. In Proverbs, the 25th chapter and the 28th verse, it says, whoever uh, has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. If a man doesn't have rule over his own spirit, 
He's like a city with broken down walls. In other words, if you don't have rule over your own spirit, if your spirit's not strong, anything and everything comes in to break down your life, to govern your life, to begin to, to, to move you in directions that they desire. The Message Bible says it like this, a person without self-control is like a house with its doors and windows knocked out. There's no protection. There's no safety. If we don't have our spirit man controlling our life. And then he says without self-control, one of the fruit of the spirit that he's developing in us is self-control. So let's just look at this for just a moment. Because we look at our, our spirit man, as I said before, many times we don't understand that God created us as a triune being. We might talk about it a little bit, but you and I are a triune being. We're a three-part being. You are a spirit. Everybody say, I am a spirit. Say it again, I am a spirit. So you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. The real you, the person that God communicates with, the person that God relates to, the person that God is in intimate relationship with, is you, the real you, the spirit man within you. God is not a mind. God is not an emotion. God is spirit. Hebrews chapter 12 says, tells us that we should honor and worship the God, of the God of spirits and live. Jesus told the woman at the well in John chapter 4, he said, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. See, even so often we come in on a Sunday morning and things have happened and we don't raise our hands and we don't get excited because we don't feel like it. And God says, listen, you don't worship me when you feel like it or when you don't. The way you have victory is when you draw up worship out of your spirit, man, and you begin to worship God in spirit and in truth. Because, see, we, we won't worship God. We'll, we'll begin to worship God based on emotion. We'll even be, begin to worship God based on circumstances or a lie, which means we'll worship him one day and we won't the other. But out of the spirit, man, every single day, no matter whether it's good times or bad times, when our spirit is getting strong, we worship him from our spirit. We worship him with a revelation coming forth that he is God. We begin to worship him understanding that he made us righteous sons and daughters of God, that he redeemed our life from destruction, that he shed his blood and broke the power of sin over our life. So no matter what comes against us, there's reason to praise him. There's reason to worship him. And we might not like the circumstance, but the way out is through him, not through our own desire. It's not through the emotion of the day. It's not through the frustration of the day, but we draw up worship on the inside, and then we realize that this too has come to pass. This is just an obstacle that the enemy has put in the way of me getting to my final destination. This is something that when I begin to worship him, the mountain doesn't look too big, that the mountain is something that I realize from my spirit man and faith in God, I can speak to that mountain and it will remove. Your mind tells you you can't move that mountain. That mountain's been in your family forever. That's part of your bloodline. You can't move that mountain. But your inward man says nothing is impossible if you'll put your trust in me. It's just from that place of the inward man. Paul knew this very well, and he said, I'm looking to attain to this life, this resurrection life that comes from the spirit of the living God. He said, I'm not there yet, but I am keep moving in that direction because I know it's going to transform my life, and it's going to give me power to move forward in what I am called to do. And Paul did amazing things and kept going. Why? Because of the spiritual strength of his life. If you read about Paul's life, if he was living by emotion, he would have quit long before he died. But because it was strength of spirit, he could go through whatever he went through and come out the other side rejoicing in God. And so when we understand that we, we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body, our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. If we're not careful, our mind and our will and our emotions will try to dominate us every single day. 
Many times, you know, we talk about this and people even get stirred up. They're like, you can't tell me we're not. God created us with emotions. Yes, he did create us with emotions. They always get in the way. God did create us with emotions, but he did not create us with our emotions to lead us. It's too volatile. Why would God do that and say, I'm going to have your emotions lead you. I'm going to uh, uh, limit you to your own thinking, have your own intellect lead you through life. I mean, aren't you glad that the Spirit of God and the wisdom of God comes into your life at decision-making times, that it's not just based on what you can figure out, but it's based on what you know in your knower. That when your body and your flesh is pulling you with temptation, there's something on the inside that reserves and, and brings forth the Word of God and says, no, that's not who you are anymore. Don't follow after that. You are much more secure than that in who you are in Christ. So we don't rely upon the feeling of the day. We don't rely upon what we can figure out. But we rely and depend upon the spirit of the living God that lives on the inside of us. Our body is just the tent that you live in. It's just the tent that you live in. It's your, your moon suit. Right? Except for it's an earth suit. And the thing about it is we don't realize, you know, uh, uh, how that works. But I remember, clear back, I, I'll tell my age here, but I remember when Neil Armstrong walked on the moon. We were glued to our television set. Just as children, we were glued to our television set. This is monumental. This is, this is huge. And so he opens the door of that capsule, and he gets on the, the steps there, and, you know, they're focusing, and the commentators are, are talking, and they're like, now here comes Neil Armstrong. They never once, not one time, I mean, through the whole process, they showed how the moon suit worked, how the moon suit was going to protect them and everything. But when he stepped out that door, he didn't say, now there is Neil Armstrong's moon suit. They never described him running around on the moon, his moon suit. They always said, that's Neil Armstrong. That's Neil Armstrong picking up that moon rock. That's Neil Armstrong bouncing around on the moon. That's Neil Armstrong saying, one small step for man, or one, small step for man one giant leap for mankind. We knew Neil Armstrong was in that suit, but all we could see was the suit. When you walk in, all we see is your suit. But you walk in the room. Your spirit man walks in the room. Hey, Steve. How you doing? Boys? Sorry. Commercial message. I heard Brad, and I looked back there and saw Steve. I do see you too, Brad. Praise the Lord. And Brad and Ruth have been with us from the, the very beginning. So Steve, he walked, he's tall, he walked in, but it was really Steve's spirit man that walked in. We just saw his earth suit. Paul says this, and if we could understand this, and i got to get moving along. When Paul told the Corinthian church, he said, listen, there's an, a continual groaning that's going on on the inside of you. There's a continual groaning for eternal things. There's a continual desire and yearning to get out of this restrictive suit, this tent Paul called it, because he hadn't walked on the moon yet, so he couldn't use the moon suit. I'm blessed. I can use a moon suit, space suit. But what he said is he said, we have this earthly tent, and our spirit man being captured in this earthly tent is always wanting to get out of this mortality and experience immortality. It's always trying to move past the restrictions of this. And if we're not careful, our mind tells us we just want success. We just want to be at the top of the ladder. We just want to do better. But it's not really that. It's your spirit, man, yearning for the eternal things of God. It's, it knows that there's something far better than the day-to-day -day and the temporal. There's something stirring of the eternal right here in this place that is stirring on the inside of you with the spirit of God in your spirit. And sometimes you can get discouraged if you're just by your soul. You're like, why do, I, why do I feel limited? Why do I feel down? And it'll get you down if you're emotional. But if you're spiritual, you begin to pray through and you begin to pray out. That which is stirring on the inside that's frustrated with limitations. But as you pray it out, you realize that though I'm in this tent, I don't have to be limited by this tent because the spirit of the living God lives in my spirit. And Jesus said nothing would be impossible to him that believes. 
There's a yearning and there's a desire for the supernatural, but we can't figure it out. But it really comes from the inside. Not what we can figure out, not what we can emotionally tap into, but what's on the inside of us. So there's three different aspects of us. Turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Paul said this to the church of Thessalonica. Verse 23, he said, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He begins to tell us you're not just a soul, but you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. And what Jesus did was to sanctify or to set apart your whole being completely Not just have your spirit man come to church and learn things. Not to just have your body come to church and fulfill a requirement. Not just to have you sit in church and and feel like it's there. He said, no, I want every part of you to be sanctified. But the only way it can be sanctified unto me is that if you allow your spirit man to take ascendancy so that when your body gets out of line, your spirit man brings it into line. That when you realize my mind and my emotions are running the way of the world, that your spirit man says we're going to sit down and meditate upon the word of God. The apostle Paul said this to the Corinthian church. He said, I buffet my body. Lest after I have preached, I become a castaway. What was he saying? He wasn't saying my body buffets my body. He was saying the real me, the spirit man takes the body and brings it into subjection. Lest after I've preached about this glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and the freedom that we have from the nature of the flesh, if my spirit doesn't bring it into subjection, my flesh runs wild and brings me back into bondage. And the word that I just preached seems null and void. He says, but I know that my spirit man has power over my flesh because I've built it and I've exercised my spirit and I've, I've studied the word and fed my spirit to now that it takes control over the desires of my flesh and of my mind. There's a place where we say we can't help it. I just can't help it and there's a learning and there's a developing, but the first step is to know that when you were born again, you came alive spiritually. The old habits before Jesus Christ, you couldn't help it. You were a slave of sin. But now under the rule of the Spirit of God, the Lordship of Jesus Christ, you can control your thinking. You can bring it into subjection. You can cast down every thought and imagination that tries to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. You can bring your body into subjection and tell it no. Say, maybe you can, Pastor, but I can't. I'm just telling you, you can But you can't if you allow your spirit man to remain weak. You can if you begin to exercise yourself in godliness. If you begin to feed your spirit man as much as you feed your flesh. If you begin to feed your spirit man the word of God as much as you feed the information of the world into your mind. If you begin to react from your spirit or respond from your spirit as much as you react according to your emotions. As soon as you begin to give the spirit more attention than all these other things, it will begin to grow. It will begin to increase. And there will be such an unction that begins to rise on the inside of us. Such a direction that begins to rise on the inside of us that I know where I need to be and I know when I need to be there. I know when to stop and I know when to go. I know when to wait and I know when to move. And we begin to find ourselves in the right place at the right time with the right words and the right anointing. And life begins to be much more of a joy. It begins to be much more of a, a challenge and an expectation of what every day will bring by the Spirit of God. It begins to be an exciting, not just a church life, not just a religious life. It begins, begins to be a life that stirs and teems from the inside of us, anticipating what is the Spirit of God going to do through me today? What are we going to do? What am I going to do with the Holy Spirit today? Well, it's a season when we know we've been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. We've been prepared, being prepared for this very time. It's time for us to not let this window of time and this opportunity pass by. It's not a time to get caught up in the news of the day and the politics of the day. 
You may know about it, but it's time to stand up and just live everyday life and look at your life and look at the people in your life and look at the direction of your life and say, God, what am I here for? And what do you want me to do? And begin to listen because the Spirit of God has you where he has you because he has something for you to do. As they were saying on the announcement, he has something for you to say. And it's not to agree with the world and the course of this world, but it is to agree with God and be able to bring knowledge of the good news of what Jesus has and not a hopelessness that people are running into, but a hope that stirs from the inside. The Holy Spirit wants to flood your hearts, your spirit man with light, with revelation, so that you have an expectation of your calling. He's not only called you out of sin, but he's called you to this time and this generation for something greater than ourselves. And he's graced you to do something beyond what you could do in your own strength. But it's not coming from what you can figure out. It's coming from the inside. So we begin to understand the power of the word of God. And the word, as Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. And they begin to show up. Things concerning the growth of our spirit. Man, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the word of God is living, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit, of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. We begin to know whether this is me or this is God, whether we begin to think, is this just me thinking that or not? The word of God begins to penetrate and show you and understand that it begins to discern, it's spiritually alive and discerns. No, this is just your thinking, or this is what I put on the inside of you. Continue to move with it. We can't leave our Bible, just sit on the nightstand and collect dust and come in and just listen to preaching on Sunday. It's the word of God that begins to show up the dividing line between our soul and our spirit. It's that word of God that shows up that line of circumcision of the heart of how we used to be dominated by our soul, but now our spirit man is alive unto God. And so we begin to understand the need for the spirit of God in our spirit. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5, talking about the direction of the world, but he gets to this understanding that Jesus was sent for our salvation. He said, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, he made us alive unto God. Through Jesus Christ, by grace, you have been saved. Now, I know most of you know this, but I want to renew in your thinking what really took place the day that you got born again. Because before you and I got born again, before we made Jesus Christ the Lord of our life, the Bible says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. You may be walking around. Your face may have looked the same. In my case, I was just as tall as I was. I was a little bit skinnier. I was a little less gray, but I pretty much looked the same. And the day after I prayed, I looked in the mirror and I looked the same. But on the inside, there was a hole. There was an emptiness. Though I have, a, I have a spirit man on the inside of me, it was separated from the Holy Spirit, the life of God. And there was an emptiness and there was a yearning on the inside that, what am I doing? What's my purpose in life? Where am I going? And I realized I need to be saved. Though I'd gone to church all my life, I realized, just as the Bible says, no one calls Jesus Lord except by the Spirit of God. There was a knowing all of a sudden that there's an emptiness that can't be filled by just attending church and saying I'm a Christian. There's a realization that I need Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I need to invite him in. And when I did, the Spirit of God came to live in my spirit. My mind didn't immediately change. My looks didn't immediately change. But something on the inside of me was totally transformed. I knew there was a future that was different from my life than I'd ever dreamed possible. I didn't know what it was at the moment, but I knew something took place on the inside of me. I came alive unto God. I started reading the Word, and it caused more questions than I'd ever had before because now the Spirit of God is revealing the Word of God and the truth of the Word of God on the inside of me because now there's something on the inside of life, not how I used to live it. And I don't know what to do with it yet. I don't even know how. I ask a lot of questions. What happened to me? And people are like, well, you're going to heaven. I'm like, I thought I was going to heaven anyway. Something happened here, not out here, in here. And I begin to learn the Spirit of God came to live in my spirit. And he wanted to be Lord of my life. And when he came in, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. But when you asked Jesus to come into your heart, the Bible says that he made you alive together with Christ. He made you alive together with Christ. 
he came in. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. When you said, Jesus, be the Lord of my life, come into my heart and be the Lord of my life, the Holy Spirit came into your spirit, rejoined you to the life of God, and made you alive unto God. Now, you may know this, but if you're not aware of it every day, if you're not looking to that life on the inside, you'll be controlled by your, your, the desires of your flesh and of your mind. Romans 8 verse 9 says this, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. He's talking about that old life that was dead in trespasses and sins, the life of the nature of the flesh. But he said, you are no longer, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. If you don't have the spirit of God dwelling in you, you don't know that you're not his. You're separate from him, but when you are born again, he comes to live in you. When you said, Jesus, be the Lord of your, my life, you were actually asking him to come in and to be the master of your life and of your future. You weren't saying, could you come in and save my life so I can get to heaven? No, you, when you said, Lord, you said, master. And he said, I'll come in, and I'll live in you, and you'll be my children, and I'll be your God, and we'll do exploits together. I mean, you want to do some exploits with God. Come on. I'm just telling you. He said, now if anyone does not have the spirit, he's not his. And if Christ is in you, how many of you say Christ is in me? If Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised up Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Come on, there's something that starts to radiate from the inside out that affects your mortal body. It affects our soul. It affects every part of us, the spirit of God in our spirit, strengthening us in our inner man by the spirit of God. And it's a necessity that we be born of the spirit. John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus said this. He said, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born again when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one be, is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. See, when you got born again, the spirit of God came to live on the inside of you. You started a whole new life. Any man that be in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new. And now everything in your spirit is of God. John chapter 1 verse 12 says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of God, uh, or of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That word there when he says he gave them to receive to be children of God, that is a Greek word called technon. It means that when you receive Jesus Christ, you're born of God. You're just a little child, you're offspring of God. It's important for us to see because many times we get born of God and we never grow in God. We never realize that the Spirit of God came to dwell in our spirit. We live 40, 50, 60 years having been born again and never growing in our spirit man. We just say we're children of God. But God wants to do something phenomenal on the inside of us. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17. Just stay with me. I know we're running out of time. I got to shift gears here. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 17 from the Passion Translation says, now the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit. And wherever he is Lord, there is freedom. We can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. And with no veil, we all become like mirrors who bright, brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured into his very image as we move from one, one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. It says, listen, when we, make the Holy, when we make Jesus Lord, the Holy Spirit comes in. When we realize that he's Lord, he will begin to grow us up spiritually. If we let him, he will begin to transform us from one degree of glory to the next. If you feel like you're the same old Christian you were the day you got born again, 
I believe it's simply because you knew you got born again, but you haven't yielded to the Spirit of God on the inside of you. You haven't looked into the Word and saw the reflection of who you are becoming in Christ. And He's maturing and growing you. He's not leaving you the same person that you used to be. He's transforming you into a different image, which is the image of Christ. It's that reflection to know that you are a son of God, a daughter of God, not just offspring, not just a baby in Christ, but you're growing in Him. And Romans 8 14 says that those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And that word sons is not the same word as technon, it's doulos, and it means a mature son. And in fact, John in his writing did not use children of God, he used technon because all the rest, when he talked about the Son of God, he was talking about Jesus. When John used the word doulos in his gospel, he was always referring to Jesus, the Son of God, one who was developed as the Son of God. And so when Paul uses that word, he's not using, you're just simply offspring because you got born again. But as you grow in God, you start to understand I'm maturing. Why? Because I'm not just crying out to God. I'm not giving place to the flesh. I'm not just giving, uh, deciding based on intellect and emotions, but I'm being led by the Spirit of God. And he's changing me from one degree of glory to the next. Our life in the Spirit is going to be incredibly important, as it has in the past, but even more so in the days that are ahead of us. And understanding the life of the Spirit and how we're rooted and grounded and where the Spirit of God's going to lead us and why he's going to lead us there. I believe we're coming on a day, if we'll pay attention, the idea of the flakiness of living in the Spirit is going to be put away. That we're going to walk in a place that instead of people go like, you spiritual people are kind of flaky, they're going to stand back and they might not agree with everything, but they're going to say, wow. Just as they did with Jesus, they didn't like it all, but they couldn't dispute. There's power there. There's wisdom there. There's understanding there. Who is this guy who walks on water? Who is this guy that the waves and the winds obey him? Now, who is this guy that's really fanatical and weird? Who is this guy that walks with such demonstration and power and authority over the things that come into his life? And that's what God wants us to have, the understanding of the Spirit of God and power, that when things come into our life, first of all, we know how to control and take authority and dominion. It's easy to look out and say, I want to I touch somebody else's life, but it starts knowing that I live and I walk in the Spirit. And we know that and we capture that. He's going to go, because you understand this, you, you're closer to me. You know how to grab a hold of your flesh. You know what to do with that. You know how to engage in that situation. You know how to cast that thought down. You know how to bring that under control. Because you know how to do that, I can take you places you never dreamed of. Because I know you won't get shook up. I know you won't get nervous. I know you won't falter under the pressure. I know fear won't captivate you. Well, how do you know that, God? Because you've already demonstrated it in your daily walk of life. I believe he's doing something in you right now. He's working in you right now. I believe if you're hearing what the Spirit of God is saying, there's something teeming in you. If you've been bound by any type of addiction, if you've been bound by worry and stress, I believe God's working in you right now. The understanding he wants to break through and he wants to break that, that chain right now. But you can't go back to thinking, I, I've done this for a long time. I don't know how I'm going to quit. I don't, know how the, I don't know how I'll feel if I quit. You can't give place to your emotions. You can't give place to your mind. But you start to look on the inside and he'll begin to work a work that will break those yokes of bondage. But you'll never have to return there. There's things that are going on right now. That there's a stirring on the inside of you. You've been infirmed in your body. You're struggling and you think, if I could just get healed, but the Spirit of God is ministering to you that there's something in your past where you've held on to something, and it's allowed infirmity to come into your body. And if you'll go ahead and yield to the Spirit of God and let go of that, healing will begin to flow into your body. That chronic pain and discomfort, as you let go of that emotional thing, as that gets farther, your healing will become evident till it's 100% healed. The pain, discomfort will be gone. 
I'm telling you right now by the Spirit of God, let it go. Let it go. It's not worth it. It is affecting your mortal body. Let it go. You'll have a great testimony. God's doing something in the hearts of men. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We magnify you. Holy Spirit, help us in these next couple weeks to not look past what you're doing right now because of what we already know, but to increase us in the knowledge of you. To increase us in the knowledge of you. Open up the eyes of our understanding in a greater measure that we might know you more intimately and personally. That we will understand as we go through this that we are spirit beings. We give more attention to that than we have in times past. We don't do it in a religious fashion, but we begin to be more intimate with you on a day-to-day basis. Understanding that you want to talk to us and God, that you develop us in the desire of our heart that we want to talk to you, that we engage in that godly communication, we engage in that prayer life, we engage in the word of God, and the understanding of what you're saying to us begins to come greater and greater. We thank you for it. We praise you. If you're in the room today and you say, you know what, I'm, I'm having trouble with what you're talking about. I desire it, but I'm having trouble. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, that is the beginning of that transformation. That's the beginning of living and being alive spiritually. If you're watching today or if you're here in this room and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, he said if you confess him as Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you would be saved. He would come into your heart and he would take over. He would be the Lord of your life. The Spirit of God would come. This Lord that he's talking about, the Spirit of God will come and dwell in your spirit. The Spirit of Christ dwell in your spirit and begin a transformation taking you from one degree of glory to the next, leading and guiding your life in this relationship with God, taking you higher and taking you through. Not that struggles will never happen, but he has the wisdom, the understanding, the power, the anointing to bring you through, to fulfill your life and your destiny. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, let's all pray this together. If you pray this from your heart, Jesus will come and be the Lord of your life. Say, Father God, I come to you this morning, and I lay my life before you, tired of living life my way. So I ask you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. I believe that you died for my sin, and that God raised you from the dead so that I could be forgiven. I receive that forgiveness now. call you the Lord of my life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you stand up? If you prayed that prayer for the first time,